This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. So, my mission, should I choose to accept it, which I did, (laughs) is to wrap up the whole faith module. (laughs) And so tonight, because next week we start Covenant, and it's called Your Inheritance in God, Covenant Truths, found in the scripture, a scene of the scripture. Covenant life is seen in the scripture. And um, covenant is not a term that we hear a lot anymore. And it's really, to my knowledge, not taught much in church anymore. And yet covenant is what seals the deal on all of God's promises. And so it gives you, keep coming because it will give you a, a broader, deeper, greater understanding of what he's done for you. And, and, you know, when you read his promises and what it really means. So that starts next week. And um, so anyway, I'm going to attempt to to wrap up tonight. Um, and and um, also uh, add to a little bit or, I don't know, rewind. Well, I'm going to start off rewinding a little bit. Um, so last week we talked about... Um, last week was fun, wasn't it? It was, it was different. But this week is fun too, because every week has a different flow to it, and it's all good. I literally felt like in worship, I literally felt like we were being cradled by God. That was my my feeling, and it's just it's all good every week. It's just amazing, and so everything has a different flow. And that's what's so cool about God, because He's like a prism. You can put a prism up, and you keep turning it, and you see different facets of it. And that's exactly how God is, and that's how his word is. You can just keep turning it, and you see different things all the time. You can never, like, get to the end of it, of him. And so, um, so we start talking about imagination and how it works hand-in-hand with faith. And um, what I didn't get to last week, and I'm going to try to get into some of that, is the aspects of renewing your mind and the importance of it. And I'm going to back up. Um, I'm going to back up to Marianne's first week of teaching. And when she taught Romans 117, the just shall live by faith. And she explained the word faith is pistis. And how, you know, back in the days of the Bible, God would give them pictures that related to them so they would understand what it was. And so when you look at the Greek word for um, faith and the Greek word for pistis, it actually is, um, reflects the trust of another person. It's about trust, but it's about trusting in a relationship. And it means the character of one who can be relied on or trusted. And so when you know you can rely on someone, you know you can trust someone, you've developed a relationship with them. So the whole aspect of faith, as she explained, is relationship with God. And so I want to go one step beyond that because the word pistis actually is from a root word called pietho, P-E-I-T-H-O. So pistis actually comes from that word, And that word actually means to persuade. So it actually means, in the Greek, to induce one by words to believe. To induce one by words to believe. So in other words, you have a relationship with God and your faith grows in your trust in him by being persuaded by his words in your life. 
That's what faith is. It's being persuaded. It's having that relationship and allowing his words to influence you. So the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by a relationship with him and allowing his words to influence us. You know, John 6, 63, my words are spirit and my words are life. That's it. It's his, it's his words. That's what does it. There's a lot floating around now about the coronavirus and everything as everybody knows where, I mean, Rafa went to Costco to get some things for the church today and there's no water left. There's no paper towels. The water was selling for 20 bucks. I mean, it's, it's like all this stuff. No, no, no. The just shall live by relationship with God and letting his words influence you. And so if you kind of struggle in that area, that's why you need to come to covenant because we're going to talk about healing and we're going to talk about prosperity and all the covenant truths that he's provided in the word. And so that's, we have to, in this day and age, well, it's always been this way, I'm sure, but we live for such a time as this. We must be persuaded by the words of God. We must be we must be, we have weird things like this that fly around health-wise. We have, the economy goes up, it goes down, it does it. You must be persuaded by the words of God to live life victoriously and effectively in this day and age. So, you know, Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and letting his words persuade you. And part of what we talked about last week was imagination and even what Sandy shared. But it's that persuasion which then gets into um, renewing your mind. Or meditation. You can call it different things. It has different words. But basically, at the end of last week, we did a little exercise, if you will, with Isaiah 55, 10, and 11. And I kind of just took you through how I meditate. And, and what, what I do. And if you weren't here, then you can listen to it online or on the podcast and all that. But that was just an example of what I do. But you have your own way and you can have your own way of doing it. But the bottom line is you create pictures. You let God persuade you. You let him talk to you. And that's how the washing of our minds happens. What, you know, what happened in Germany with Hitler and all that? propaganda. They just kept putting out propaganda and propaganda and propaganda, lies, 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 and telling people until people believed it. I mean, there's a lot of things floating around today that keep getting perpetuated and perpetuated and perpetuated in the news until people believe it. And it might not even be true. So these are, this is why we have to stay rooted and grounded in God and in, in um, his word. So Romans 12, 2, I don't know which version you have, but I'll read from the Amplified, says, do not be conformed to this world. Be fashioned, don't be a fashioned and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. So don't be conformed to this world. The word conform means to conform your mind and character to another one's pattern. To conform your mind and character to another one's pattern. So in this scripture, he's saying, don't be conformed to the world. 
Don't be conformed to the world. We're to be conformed to kingdom, to how does the kingdom operate? Who is God? Who is he? And as we understand who he is, then we become in his likeness, in his image, and we become kingdom influencers. And so don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, transformed, Actually, it comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which is where you get metamorphosis. You know, when a butterfly is a caterpillar, becomes a butterfly, it goes through a metamorphosis. And it says to change into another form. So you actually transform yourself into the likeness of God by meditating on his word. And letting him persuade you of who you are because of who he is. So you transform, you metamorphosis, you metamorphosize, whatever you want to say. You change into another form. And one of the examples that's given by this in the study materials um, is Matthew 17, 2, when he talks about Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw him. And he had literally, it said, Um, he was transfigured before them and his face did shine like the sun and his raiment, which was his um, coat, was white as the light. Now talk about imagination. If you sit there and you think about it and you were, I can't remember who was with him. Who was with him when this happened? Who? Whoever it was, whichever disciples were with him and saw him. Anyway, so imagine this you and all of a sudden you see him and he's transfigured and his, his face shone bright as the sun and his coat was glowing. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whoever they were, they were there. So the point is, imagine it, you know, and he literally took on another form. They had never seen it before. It left them in awe. And so... This is what happens when we um, allow ourselves to be, our minds to be renewed. And then one of the root words literally means, for transform, means until a mind and life in complete harmony with the mind and life of Christ shall have been formed in you. That's big. I'm going to say it again. Until a mind and life in complete harmony with the mind and life of Christ shall have been formed in you. That's now this is why renewing the mind is a continual process. This is a lifestyle because it takes our life and our journey with God to be completed into his image. I mean, we are in the image of God, but practically speaking, our behavior and our attitudes and all of that that go along with it, it that's our mind, will, and emotion. Our soul has got to be renewed. Our soul has to. Third uh, John 2 says, um, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So that's a, that's a big deal right there because you can't expect to walk in health and prosperity and all the other blessings of God if you haven't, if you're still thinking that God put sickness on you. You cannot walk in it. You cannot walk in prosperity if you think that he made you poor to begin with. You can't do it. The, no, the, one of the baseline things for any topic that 
just your baseline in life and God is God is good. We have to understand that he is good and he's good all the time. And sometimes things that we walk through are not good and they're not fun, but he is good all the time. And he always has my best interest at heart. And so that, that just goes through the character of God that he is good, goes through everything. And if, and what, why that's so important is because a lot of times we grow up with um, a mentality that he's kind of out to get us. Like if I don't do everything just right. I mean, that's what Mary was teaching too that same night is that God was taking them from rules, a life of rules to a life of relationship. And it's not about getting everything right and all the mistakes. It's about what is my relationship with him and how am I relating with him? And so, um, so he's good all the time. And if we don't have that foundation and we still have things, um, we still, we could still read the Bible with a filter of he's kind of mad at people or he's like, you know, when he, when they talk to the fig tree and then he turns around, he says, have faith in God. I mean, he wasn't, you know, Jesus, I, Jesus was coming to give the kingdom. He was coming to give the kingdom. He was father walking in the flesh. Can you imagine, honestly, I mean, I'm sure that the people were just his disciples and people around him, the Lord's people were just like hard to deal with sometimes, <laughs> but, but can you imagine? I mean, that is his whole mission and the excitement that he would have to let them know that he's taking them. They are be- being brought out from a rules and regulation and sacrifices and all these things that they have to go through all the time into a relationship with God that only the priest could ever have before. And all of a sudden now they get one. I mean, that's what was happening. And so it's like, he, I just believe, now I didn't always believe this, but did, when I went through training center, there was a part of me that transformed in the midst of this because I realized I did have a thing. Like sometimes I thought God was mad at me if I didn't do something right or do something wrong or he, I was being punished or whatever. And we all grow up with, you know, these different beliefs and from how we grew up or being in churches or whatever it is, we just grow up with these things. And a lot of times we don't realize we're still carrying them. And I remember I was, I was reading um, Mark 11, 23, 24 and all that when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And I always read it <laughs> that when he turned around and he said, you know, when he says, have the faith of God, there's an understood you in front of that. So you have the faith of God. And I always took that like he was yelling at them. Oh, come on. You have the faith of God. Just come on. You know, really. And all of a sudden one day I was like, I saw him so like playful. And he was like, come on, man. You've got it. You've got it. This is what I'm showing you. You have it too. And he was like this excitement in him of trying to help them and teach them that he wasn't yelling at them or belittling them in any way, that he was like, come on, man, you've got this. This is what I'm trying to show you. You've got it. You've got it. And, and so, you know, I was reading when Peter walked on water today, and it was the same thing. It was like when he says, oh, you have little faith. You know, it's not, he was like, oh, you have little faith. Come on. You've been with me walking on. He was like, come on, you've got that. You have you had it. You were walking on water. You had it. Come on. 
And so I just saw that, you know, you start to see things different. That's the transformation of your mind. That's transforming into the image of God. And it comes by being in the word. Um, If we're in the kingdom, we have to know who the king is. Because the kingdom operates by virtue of who the king is. The kingdom has a culture. The kingdom works a certain way. And so as we renew our mind, we learn how to operate that way. And I was thinking about, you know, if I went to Europe, if I went to Great Britain or South Africa or something, and they drive on the left side of the road, I would not try to take my American custom of driving on the right side of the road and apply it there. That's nonsense. I would put myself in danger. I would put everybody else in danger. I cannot sit there and go, well, that's not the way we do it in the United States. It doesn't work. That is not their law. That is not how it operates. I will get in trouble. I will not survive trying to do that. I couldn't go to a Latin American country where they shut down the stores at two o'clock for a siesta, which I'm all about. And I, but I couldn't go there, bang on a business door and say, open up, open up. This isn't the way we do it in America. That's, it's their custom, it's their culture, it's their laws. This is what they do. And so we have a culture and a custom in the kingdom. And that's why renewing your mind is so important because you have to understand how do we operate? Who is the king? First of all, not just how do we operate. Who's the king? Who is he? And in knowing who he is, you find out how his kingdom works. I mean, you can't, his kingdom in, in our culture, in our world system, if we do not remind our, our um, renew our minds to what he sees in prosperity, our world system says, save everything for yourself. Hoard it because you never know when you're going to need it. When we all of a sudden get into the kingdom and we start learning about prosperity, all of a sudden we learn about sowing and reaping. And we go, well, he says, if I give, he's going to give more to me. And it's more blessed to give than to receive and all that kind of, and we learn all this stuff and we're like, well, that's not the way everything operates here. But we don't, we operate in the world, but we are not of the world. We're of the kingdom. And so, it is so important to victor to in order to victoriously live in this world as kingdom and not just for us it's about extending the kingdom that's really why we're here we want to draw people in to his love and who he is so that when when you know people are hoarding and they you know you're buying a new car for cash or whatever and they say how do you do this you get to say you know, I just, it may sound crazy, but God told me to give a financial seed to so-and-so or wherever, and I've just been believing him that something's going to happen, and all of a sudden, you know, I was blessed in return, and I was able to get this car, and whatever the story is. But that, and then that becomes a testimony to them. And all of a sudden, they're interested, well, who is this God? Who's the God? That's why Pastor Gavin keeps saying people are more interested in what you're, they're seeing in you than what you're saying to them. We get caught up a lot of times in trying to tell people how much they need God, which is good. 
you know, when it's appropriate. But when you show them how you're living and it perplexes them because it's not the world's way, that's huge. Those are things that start to draw them in and go, I need to ask some questions. Maybe I need to go to church with them or sit down and have a cup of coffee. So we have to understand the ways of the kingdom. Oh, I'm sniffing. (laughs) Um, So meditation is all about letting God persuade you. Um, Do you have Joshua 1.8, Donna? And then after that, it'll be Psalm 1-2 or whichever one's first. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Joshua 1-8, I love Joshua. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written it for. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Meditate, Hagah. That's the one, mutter, think about, ponder, imagine. That's another one, imagine it. Um, Speak, murmur, utter, keep it in front of you all the time because that's how you renew your mind. And then Psalm 1, 2, but his delight is in the law door. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And then it goes on. It says, and he'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, which won't lose its fruit in its season. And its leaf will not wither. And whatever he sets his hand to do will prosper. These are two, you can go, there's more scriptures, but I just pulled those two out because it's all about if we keep our mind Focus on his word. If we keep renewing it to what he says and let his word persuade us. And it's as simple as the Isaiah 55 exercise. Pick a scripture that stands out to you and you go, oh, that sounds really good. Don't pick one that you have no interest in. Find something that perks your heart that you have an interest in and you just sit there and just, oh, that's, yeah, let me think about it. Like Sandy said with offering, she imagined that stuff happened. She imagined the water coming and hitting the, the dry ground and then leaves started coming up. And it's, it's, it's a whole new world. It's beautiful. I mean, just Isaiah 55, we did that last week. You could imagine yourself standing on top of the Rocky Mountains, snow coming down. You could imagine yourself in the middle of a rainforest, rain coming down. It doesn't matter. You can go anywhere you want to in your imagination. And he will, ta- he will reveal himself to you through the combination of your imagination and his word. Because his words are spirit and his words are life. So there's no choice. When you send his word forth, it has no choice but to accomplish what it was set forth to do. No choice. And then we talk, First um, Peter 1.23, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And that seed is the, is the word spora, which is like sperm. And we are built to conceive. We are built to receive and conceive and give birth. Everybody is. So here's the thing. You don't have to really try to do that either. You have to put yourself in position to receive, but you don't have to like, as Pastor Barry used to do, you don't see an orange tree you know, squirming to make oranges. It just is. That's what it is. We've been created for this. We've been created to live a life of faith. 
It's like Pastor Kathy said, we're always in faith all the time. All the time. We're always using our imagination all the time. It just depends on how, which direction we're leaning towards. So, can you, Donna, did I give you Mark 5, 35 and 36? Yeah. So this is a story about before this verse, um, a little before then, this is when Jesus was walking and Jairus came up to him and he said, my daughter is sick. Can you come to the house and heal her? And he said, yeah. So he's on his way to Jairus' house and the woman with the issue of blood came up, grabbed him and he immediately turned around and said, who touched me? I felt the power go out. And so, you know, they had the whole thing with the woman with the issue of blood and she was healed. Well, at that point, then Jairus' servant or somebody came up and said, you know what? Forget the whole thing. Your daughter died. Don't bother him anymore. It's over. Now, here's the thing. He said, no, go back to your first one. Yeah. Um, While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Okay. Okay. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now, I want to look at some of these words. Because it sounds simple enough and we can get it, but you know, I like digging in here a little bit more. So the fear, the word fear in the Greek is phobeo, where we get phobia. And this is what fear means. To be put to flight by scaring away. To be put to flight by scaring away. To flee. To be startled by strange sights or occurrences. And it can also mean to reverence God. But when we're not reverencing God, we're actually reverencing the opposite. So it really means to reverence, depending on which way you're going to do it. To be put to flight by scaring away. Isn't that what the enemy does? Isn't his job, he like comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There's nothing favorable that the enemy has for any of us. Nothing. Steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus, knowing all this, turned around and said, don't let the enemy scare you away. Do not run away right now. Don't be startled by what just happened. Keep your reverence on me, not the situation. All right, so he says, do not be afraid. That's the fear. Only, that word only literally means only, alone. The only thing. It's like my words are spirit and my words are life. That's the only thing. The only thing, this is the only thing he's saying, the only thing I want you to do at this point. Nothing else. There's not one or two things. There is one thing I want you to do. And then the word believe, the Greek word for that is pistuo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O, which as you can tell comes from pistis, but this is what it means. To think to be true, to be persuaded of, to put your confidence in, To entrust a thing to someone. To entrust a thing to someone. 
fidelity. And it means to commit to trust. Or to commit trust. So Jesus is telling him at that point in time, because you know, Jairus is probably thinking, this woman messed everything up for me. He was on the way to my house and it could have happened. And now this woman came in and slowed everything down. But Jesus said, don't run away. Continue to be persuaded only in me. Do not entrust You entrusted this situation to me. That's what believe is. Jairus came to him and said, can you do this? Jairus entrusted the situation with him. And Jesus is saying, stay committed to it. Stay faithful. To entrust a thing to someone is fidelity. He's saying, don't run away. Don't be startled by this situation right here that just happened. Don't be startled by what he said. Only continue to keep your faith and your trust in me. That's the only thing you have to do. That's your one job. That's pretty strong. All that from that little do not be afraid, only believe. That's a lot. That's a lot in there. And and Pastor Kathy always said, faith is fidelity to God. And, you know, sometimes we get upset with people, business partners, or it could be spouses or boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, where there's infidelity, but then sometimes do we lose our fidelity with God? Does it make sense? Okay. And then the next one I want to go to is Peter walking on water. Matthew 14, the... um, 29 to 31. Um, so this is when they're on the water. The, the disciples are in the boat. And Jesus had stayed on the land. And so he comes walking out on the water. And so um, Peter had said, they thought it was a ghost. So Peter had said, are you a ghost? Or are you Jesus? And Jesus says, come. So he says, that he, Jesus says, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? That's the one I said, I was, you know, for a long time, I was like, oh, you have little faith. You were doing it. But no, Jesus caught him. He caught him. See, he, Peter was trying to, we were just talking about this and so, I mean, so chats, Peter was trying to, he stepped out. He like had the guts to step out and do something completely crazy and he did it. But then he got his focus off, but Jesus caught him. Did he fail? I don't think so. Nobody else stood up and went out there. No one else had the guts to do it, but he did. So anyway, so here's the deal. My point in this is that what the enemy does is he tries to take you off your stance. He tries to take your stance off. God is good all the time. No matter what's going on, the storm is in front of me. God is still good. It doesn't matter. He tries to take your stance or your focus off. God is good. And he tries to take your focus off whatever you're standing on. So it says, Peter... When Peter saw the wind was boisterous, 
That word see in the Greek means to see with the physical eye. But it also means, da, 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 to see with the mind's eye. To turn the thoughts or direct the mind to a thing. That's pretty strong. Because it's not just physically. Because when we read this, probably most of us are like, oh, he saw the wind and he saw that and that's what took him down. No, you can see it. This is why your imagination is so important because you can see it in your mind's eye. There could be, everything could be looking great. You could be up for a promotion at work. Everything's great. Your boss is like, you got it, you got it. We're going to announce it on Friday. But all of a sudden in your mind's eye, you start going, what if this doesn't happen? What if somebody sabotages this? What if this? What if that? Your mind's eye is seeing that. Everything in the natural is lining up, but your mind's eye is seeing this. That's a very, very powerful thing because looking into it in the Greek, because it goes much deeper than what we would think when we just read the scripture. We think it's looking at natural circumstances around us but it actually goes into our imagination. And what are we contemplating? What are we meditating on? So when Peter saw the wind, he saw, so we looked at that, he was afraid. And again, that word afraid is phobeo. So we just went over that. But here's what happened. The enemy was trying, he was doing a supernatural act. He was doing something completely supernatural. And what did the enemy do? Come and try to get him to see something different and cause him to flee. Cause him to run away. And that's what happened. That's when he fell. And then he started to drown. He started to sink. Which in the Greek actually means drown. He started to drown. What is that? That... That's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to drown us. In whatever way it looks at, he wants to, he wants to drown you and take you off your stance in God, get your eyes focused and your imagination, not just your physical eyes, your imagination. He wants you to get it off of where he, where you are with him, what he has said and get you looking and thinking contrary or proposing things. I mean, isn't this what he did with um, Eve in the garden? Did God really say that? He planted a thought. He just came and planted a thought. And my guess is he replanted it and he replanted it and she listened to it. Instead of just saying, she listened to it. And that's what happens because that's, that's why when we replay things, that's the meditation on the negative. We replay things in our head or we imagine things and we go down these tracks. And, you know, when I was in high school, it was kind of funny. But when I was, in, I was in junior high, I actually wanted to try drugs. I really did. But here was my thinking. I don't know why I did. I didn't, but I did. I want to. But here's my thinking. Oh, but if I do it, I'll probably get addicted to them. Then my parents will find out and then I'll get sent to drug rehab and my whole life will be ruined. I mean, this, this is like my pattern of thinking, you know, and I have a tendency to do weird things like that, you know, with, with different things. But 
it stopped me from doing them. I'll say that much. But, but that's what I'm saying. That's just a stupid example of how the enemy works. We start with one thing and then all of a sudden we're, we're like on this road to purgatory. I mean, it's just kind of weird. And so we have to keep our minds stayed on him. Now listen to this. When he says, you so can you put that scripture back up? The last one, the Peter one. Uh, 14, 30. Yeah, that one. Um, so he says, he sa- immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That word, that phrase of little faith comes from the root word, I kind of like oligopistos, oligopistos. So there's that word pistis again, and it means little faith. But here's the deal. In the reference material in Strong's, it said it's only used by the Lord as a tender rebuke for anxiety. A tender rebuke for anxiety. Which goes back to how do we see him? He was there calling Peter out to do the impossible, to do the supernatural, and Peter went for it. And then when he got his eyes off, Jesus swooped down, and all he did is say, help, and Jesus swooped down, pulled him up, and helped him. And then he's like, just keep trusting me. Just keep trusting me. That's all you have to do. It wasn't a, you had it. I'm like, what were you thinking? It wasn't like that. But yet, because of the way we were raised, a lot of times that's our mentality. And so when we read the word, that's why it's important to start with. God is good and he loves me and he's for me. He's not out to punish me. He's not out to put sickness on me. He's not out to make me poor. He's not out to do any of these things. He is for me. He is, I heard Reba Rambo say this years ago and she, they were doing an offering and she said, he's your provision. He is pro your vision. And I was like, that's good. He is for your vision. He's your provision. He's for you. So why would he want to condemn you? Especially for trying something cool. I mean, you're, I mean, you know, you're just, you're walking by faith. And even if it's not that, you're just walking by faith. You're walking, trusting him that I'm going to step out. I'm doing it right now. Honestly, teaching, this is by faith. <laughs> because sometimes I'm like, does anybody get anything out of this? And, and it really is. I mean, it's, I'm trusting. I've heard stuff from him. I'm releasing it. And it's happening. I mean, all, I mean that's what we have to do. It's a walk of faith all the time. Um, and then... Let's see which one of these. Oh, actually. Donna, can you, I didn't give you this. Can you go to Proverbs 4 and just start at 1? And two, 
three, four. <laughs> Is this King James? Oh. Oh, I see the NKJV down there. Okay. Um, okay, so verse four, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Okay, go to the next one. Next. 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 <laughs> Next. Next. Oh, my goodness. I need my version. Let me find it. You version. I can't read New King James, apparently. I don't know. I can't follow it. No, let, I, I, I'll get it. Um, it's okay. Ah, here we go. 20. Verse 20, 420. Huh? <laughs> there we go. My son, attend to my words. This is Proverbs 420 for anyone that lasted through all of that on the recording. Um, my son, attend to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Next. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Yeah, okay. That's what I wanted to go for. So, here's, here's, here's the amplified. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all diligence, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. This word, when he says, in, incline one of the, one of the, uh, oh, verse 20, attend to my words. The other one says, incline your ears. Okay, incline your ears. That word incline actually means to bend over and listen. That's what incline means. It means to have an influence on. To have an influence on. And here's the deal. To, to, when you bend your head or body over, it also means to, to bow. But that word bow, this is all in the Hebrew. That word bow means to cease from competition or resistance. So what it's saying is incline your ears. Bend over. Cease from any resistance to God. Just lend your ear over and let him wash his words over you and influence you. Just relax and receive them and receive them and receive them. And then when he says to guard your heart, in verse 23, he said, guard your heart. That word guard means to protect from danger, especially by watchful attention. That means you're on guard. You're watching to see what's going to come and you're protecting yourself from it. To stand at the entrance as if you were a guard. To watch over so as to prevent escape. That means when he, when he gives you these words, watch over them, don't let them escape. Because they're life. 
It's life. It's life to you. You got to capture the thoughts when you're talking about um, our imagination and we're talking about renewing our minds. We got to capture those thoughts that God has given us and guard them and keep them and protect our hearts with them and also protect our hearts from receiving anything the enemy wants to come and do, steal, kill, and destroy. Um, Ephesians 6. Can you, can you do like New American Standard? Ephesians 6, verses um, 10 through 18. I'm just not a King James person. So, all of this is we're going to talk about what it means to stand, because he says in Ephesians 6, 13, to stand. Okay, so he says in verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood. Man, do we need to remember this today. It is not against people, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. It is not about people. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Okay, stop right there. Having done everything to stand. I want to look at that word stand because in the Greek, it's histamine. And it means to make firm, establish, to cause a person to keep his place. And this one, to uphold or sustain the authority or force of anything. When we're standing on the word of God, we're upholding what he has said. We're upholding the force of his word over ourselves and over our situation. To stand immovable like the foundation of a building, to be of a steadfast mind and one who does not waver. And also it says it's suggestive of of fidelity and stability. So the reason I want to connect it, because here we are back to fidelity, faith, relationship, trust. Even standing on his word is indicative of the trust that I have in my relationship with him over this situation and over whatever I'm standing for. The enemy, do you remember those, um, we had him at um, one of our picnics out at the Burgess's house one year, but you guys have probably seen him. And you get those, um, it was like a boxing ring thing. And then people getting those, oh no, you have the thing, you have those little things that people stand on and they have those things and they try to knock each other off the stand. And I was watching that from a distance when we had the picnic and people were doing that. And I was like, that's exactly how the enemy is. Like we're standing in God on a particular situation and he's just swinging things and swinging things and he's trying to knock you off your stance. That's his, that's, that's his mission. And you're, you're standing here maintaining your composure and sometimes it might get wobbly, but you stand firm. Your mind is steadfast. It's unwavering. It's committed. You're, you are committed to stand And hold your place and uphold the authority that he's given you with his word. 
You're upholding the authority he's given you. Just like in Isaiah 55, he said, when my words go forth from my mouth, that's your words when you're speaking his words. When you got the rhema, the the, the, um, revelation of a word, and you're speaking it, you speak his word into that situation, it doesn't have a choice. I mean, literally, there's no choice. I texted my mom this morning because she's got like this big tumor in her stomach and they can't do operation or anything and it's benign and all that, but still it's big. And I text her and I said, You're, she, does her, she does her thing every day, does her scriptures, does her confessions, gets with God and all that. But I said, that has no choice when his word goes forth, but it has to obey. There's no other option as long as she's willing as well. You can't over, always override somebody else's will. And you don't always know what's going on in somebody else's life. But I know my mom. And so I know that she is standing and believing. And so there's, therefore, we're in a great, there's no choice. And that was the other thing. It was so funny. I was sitting there and all of a sudden I felt this urge to send it. And I thought, my mom knows this stuff. I mean, literally, why? I mean, she knows. But then I was like, no, I'm going to send it. And she was so happy that I sent it. And it was like, those are the things that we have to start acting on those types of things. Because even though we go, oh, I know the person knows that. Or someone, or God puts it on your heart to go give someone a hundred bucks. And you're like, they don't need that money. You don't know what they're believing God for. You just don't know. So move on those things. So stand. And then um, go to verse 16, please. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So back then, in that day and age, the shield of faith that was being talked about at that point was the size of a door. And that shield, it was a large oblong four-cornered shield. And the word in the Greek whatever it's the word in the Greek comes from the root word thyra, which is a door or a gate. Okay. What does a door and a gate signify? Entrance. So he's saying, take up your shield of faith. Don't give any entrance to the evil one. Shield yourself from it. Take up your shield of faith, your fidelity with him, your relationship with him, the trust that you have in your relationship with him. It surrounds you like this shield. And actually what they used to do is they used to put it, sometimes they'd put it in the ground or sometimes they'd hold it, but it was a big door and they would literally hide behind it because at that time um, they had with the enemy, would the, like real enemies, like if they were at war with somebody, what they would do is they would take a uh, arrow and they would put some on the end so that when it hit you, it would explode. And it would, or it would start a fire or whatever. So that's what he means when you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. They literally would shoot flaming arrows at each other in the war, when they were at war. And so, and it would kill them. If it hit you, it would kill you. And so that's what his example was to them at that point in time. And so when they would have these shields and they would hide behind them to, so that they wouldn't get hit by these flaming swords. That's the picture he's giving us 
in our spiritual walk, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he has provided us all of the, I mean, all of him with all these different pictures in all these different forms. I mean, every single thing we talk about is all God, but he's given us, here's a meditation piece and here's an imagination piece. And here's this picture of the flaming swords. And here's this picture. And he's given us all these things to protect us and propel us into victory, into living victoriously. So some of the things that we walk through are cruddy. They really are. But yet we can still walk through them. I mean, I'll never forget last year when Pastor Barry, when we got word he had the heart attack, I was literally in faith. I was in, I was like, he's coming out, he's coming out to the point that I got the text said they're taking him out of the machine. I was laying on my bed and I said, do it. Take him off the machine. And he was like, get up, Pastor Barry, get up. You know, but see, those are one of the things. I don't know what his situation was with him and himself. But my point is, is that for the best of my ability, I was walking in faith. And so there's always other things that we have to take into consideration. But the shield, the door, the gate, what are we opening ourselves up to? To be influenced by it. So if we don't protect ourselves from the enemy's stuff, we will be influenced by it. What you don't stand up for in yourself, you'll be influenced by. What you allow to happen will influence you. And then the last one I'm going to go to, and then we'll close. Um, Just go to Romans 4, please. uh, Sorry, 416. And we'll go down to 422. Uh, for this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace so that promise will be guaranteed. All the descendants, not only those who are of the law, but all those, also those who are of the faith of Abraham, his father of Saul. Uh-huh, next. Um, is, is, sorry, sorry, I'm not meaning to belittle any of this. Um, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Just stay there for a second. Even God, the first time I ever read this, I was like, he's not asking me. Everything that I do is exactly what he does. He's done. Even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Those are the things that when we have our imagination and we have our plans and purposes and he's directing us, and we get his words over our situation, whether they look possible or they look impossible, it doesn't really matter because we're called to bring those things out of the spirit realm into the natural realm. So if he's put in your heart to be run a million dollar company, you need to start imagining that and calling it forth. Say, what are your words over this situation for me? I mean, it's fine to say, I'm going to run a million dollar company. He might have some very specific things that he wants you to say. And those are his words over your situation. And so when you get those words and you start speaking them, you're calling into being that which doesn't exist. And you're not calling it, I will run it. You're like, thank you, God, I'm running it. Call it into, faith is now. Now faith is. 
So it gives life to the dead and calls in being that which does not exist. Okay, next one. In hope, this is talking about Abraham. In hope against hope, he believed. There was no hope. This is when God told him they were going to have a son, um, Isaiah. And sorry, Isaac. <laughs> I knew that didn't sound right when I said Isaiah, but I was like, whatever. Um, Isaac. He was going to have Isaac. <laughs> and um, in hope, I guess there was no hope to believe, none whatsoever, because he wasn't physically able to, his wife wasn't physically able to. There was no reason to hope that that was even going to happen. But against that hope, he hoped. And he believed. In hope, against hope, he believed. So that he might become a father of many nations of what God had promised him. Next one. Without becoming weak in faith, without becoming weak in his relationship with God, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he looked at the situation, and he was like, well, here's the situation, God. Dead womb, I can't do this. This is the situation. Next. Yet. With respect to the promise of God, with respect to the promise of God, who he knew because he had relationship with God, he knew he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Next. And being fully assured, fully, that's the persuaded, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. That's the full persuasion. He looked at the situation and he was like, there is absolutely no way. Like Peter walking on the water, there's no way, but he did it. He looked at this and he said, there is no way, but the promise of God. That's why I'm saying, if you're sitting there saying, well, God told me to run a million dollar company, but there is no way it's going to happen right now. Yet with respect to the promise of God. Don't waver in unbelief. Stick with the promise of God. And he will show you however it's supposed to come about. Those are the things. But this, this is the faith life. This is the life that is supernatural. This is the life that takes things that look impossible, but they're really not impossible. Because we live in a supernatural kingdom. And this is what we're called to do as believers. We take things that are not impossible, but look impossible. We take things that God has shown us in the spirit realm and we bring them to manifestation in in the natural. That's the faith walk. And it all happens because of our relationship with him, how we trust him and how we grow with him on a daily basis. It all comes because we renew our minds. We keep our mind focused on what his word says. We ask Holy Spirit questions like, show me more about this. I'm not done. I I, Maybe I know Ephesians 6.13 and I know to stand. There's more to it. There's always more to what you think you already know. And there's always greater that we can go to. And so that's part of it is we're continually growing and continually moving in God. So that sums up this this session.
this is so good. And something just happened like with the frame and it made me like, okay, I have to share what's on my heart. Um, it double exposed and there was two scriptures on top of one another. And the intention of the way we're doing modules and the commitment, the yes to commit to the 12 months is that God is layering the scripture in us. Even if you already know the scripture, I mean, I saw that and I thought, oh yeah, I got to say this. And I encourage you as we enter the second module, don't let go of what's happened for the first two months. There are key components that latched in your heart. Even if you knew this truth, there are maybe certain principles or scriptures that hooked in you, that, that you're pondering, that you're saying, okay, God, maybe I don't understand this, or maybe I just, I want to dig deeper in this. He's going to layer it on top of what's coming up next, because as we study covenant, as we study what's actually our inheritance, this is not something you're going to inherit. This is something you've already inherited in Christ. And so the faith principles, however he's messing with and stirring you in your personal faith, take that into the next module because he's going to speak to your heart about the promises. You see, we, we talk about faith. We talk about fidelity to God. It's not like he's saying, be faithful to me. He's saying, no, I want you to stay focused on me because I'm going to show you how faithful I am to you. My faithfulness sown toward you will actually release your faithfulness to me. There's a trust thing happening here. And even on Wednesday nights, we're noticing it in relationship with one another. We're beginning to just let our guard down. We don't come in here to prove anything to anybody. Not even we as faculty come in here to prove anything. We come in here to grow and to learn and to to drink of the truth of God. So I really encourage you. Don't leave behind. Take if you've got notes written on your heart or or even maybe this week from now to next week. What has stirred? In your heart, even if you've been here one time, something would stir in your heart and take it into the next, let it get double exposed and triple exposed and quadruple exposed because God is layering you, layering you with truth, putting layers. They do that with foundations. It's like deep. If a huge building is going to be put on a foundation, they don't put a 12 inch foundation under a skyscraper. Well, you're a kingdom child of God. It's not, oh, let me just learn John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. What does that really mean? How deep is he going to take me into that? And what's he going to layer on top of that so that my entire life screams everywhere I go the goodness of God? When you all are dynamic and and wild and crazy, I mean, you're here on Wednesday night at nine o'clock at night. Some of you have been up for 15 hours, 16 hours, and you're sitting in a study aspect or or atmosphere, a worship atmosphere. What is God doing? What does God want to do with you? Not just for you, but for you and then through you. Remember we said last week, you go to a bonfire, you're going to smell like smoke. You hang around Jesus, you're going to smell like kingdom truth. You can pray and close us. Father, we just thank you for um, just the power and truths that have come out of this first module. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have the seeds of truth inside each one of us. There's specific things that you've spoken to each one of us. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, you continue to remind from week one all the way to this very moment that you're stirring those things up on inside each one of us. They're different, but you know exactly what they are and what each one of us needs 
So we just thank you that you have just moved and you'll continue to move on Wednesday nights, but you're continuing to move in our lives. And I just thank you right now that the, that people are even surprised um, in a good way of what they're what they've come to understand in you, and not just understand with their head, but grasped, conceived, and are giving birth to in you. So we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for just sealing up this deal on the inside of each one of us. And it just is not completely sealed because it just flows into the next one. But, but we thank you for it. We just give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.